everyone knows what we mean when we say that. Um, yeah. I, I just feel that we're, you almost show up at an unfair advantage for a fight. And sure. so it's important for us as people that have gone through it to be that voice. I think mm -hmm. sometimes those um, who are in the chair are more likely to listen to, to one of us before they would sometimes even the people in their facility or in their doctor's sure. offices because we sure, have we've, experiences. we've been there. We've been yeah. there, right? So yes. and that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Uh, and that's the fuel. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the no, fuel to ahead, my fire. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, yes. I think about Absolutely. the people sitting in the chair who are feeling helpless, who are feeling hopeless, who have very little information to be a in their arsenal to be a a a um, comparable dog in the fight, if that makes sense. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, it's like you you almost come into a fight with with no armor. And so I think that is the importance of us educating and arming ourselves and then empowering those that are dealing with it as well so that they have armor to fight. They have tools to be a part of their own rescue. And so that's, that's, that's our job, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's why I started Kindness for Kidneys. Welcome to Hope with Jonathan. I'm Jonathan Trailer, a kidney transplant recipient. Based on my near-death experience with kidney failure, we now spotlight kidney patient story, giving them a platform to express their personal journey with battling kidney disease, kidney failure, dialysis, waiting for kidney transplant, and much more. We share stories of hope right here on the Hope with Jonathan podcast. Hope with Jonathan podcast is a Hope Media production. Never let hope become a memory. Hope with Jonathan podcast is a Hope Media production. Jonathan, I was sitting here dancing with the music. Wow, you have a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful introduction. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Oh, we we love to uh, bring bring uh, great guests on, and, and we got to do something special to to bring you on. So we wanted to uh, play a video like that to bring bring you on and introduce you. It was it was amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you. So, Sharon, why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us where you're from, a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. I, I first want to thank you, Jonathan, for this awesome opportunity. I never want to take for granted anytime I'm invited to speak anywhere. Um, and so thank you for this platform. Thank you for the millions that you're reaching and will reach. Um, and just for bringing hope and healing to people that are, are dealing with kidney disease and their families. Um, what you're doing is so important. And so I really appreciate uh, just being asked to come on. I've seen some of the guests that you've had in the past and and it really is inspiring to see the work that you're doing. And we just met, I think, a couple of months ago. And so it's it's really an honor for me to be here and to have this conversation with you. So I first want to start with by thanking you. Um, as, as Jonathan said, I'm Sharon Rouse. I am from Maryland. I was born and raised in Maryland, born in DC, but raised in Maryland. And, and I'm grateful to be here. I am a and I am the founder of Kindness for Kidneys International Incorporated. 
I am a child of God. Um, I always tell people that's the most important thing. All the other stuff is secondary. Um, and so um, I, I live in Maryland and I have a husband and wife. We live here. Um, and I am a kidney disease survivor, a kidney transplant thriver. And so I'm so happy to be here. Um, everything that we do, and I'm sure you can attest to this, it's to share our experiences, to bring hope and healing to those that are impacted by kidney disease. And so um, so that's the most important thing about me. I'm a former educator, former educational administrator, and have now devoted my time and energy to kindness for kidneys and really ensuring that we get the message out there that we're here as a sense of support to families that are impacted by kidney disease. It does take a village. And so I'm mindful of the fact that although I may be the person sitting in the chair or although, you know, someone is sitting in the dialysis chair or getting ready to start dialysis, it's not just that person sitting there. And so um, all of the things that we do related to kindness for kidneys involve the person and their families because it truly takes a village. Absolutely. It sure does. Um, that's amazing. Uh, first of all, I want to I want to thank you for uh, doing the show with me on such a short notice and uh, really appreciate what you're doing as well. You're doing awesome things with uh, uh, kindness for kidneys and uh, not only that, but you're also an advocate for AAKP. And I believe that's where we met. Actually, uh, what was it? The uh, patient uh, summit or patient meeting they had. Uh, uh, so it was uh, really cool. You actually uh, was like the top leader. Uh, and points on that uh, where they were like giving away prizes and stuff. I kept trying to chase you, but it just wasn't happening. <laughs> it was relentless, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was fun it was though. Fun. It really was. It really, it really was. was. And I, I mean, I just felt like, you know, the engagement, it really increased the engagement. And so it was truly funny. You're like, how are you doing this? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. And, and like everybody's uh, <laughs> the profile. And so, yeah, we had a great yeah. time at the conference. It was, it was. And it, of course, uh, being an AAKP uh, ambassador is also awesome as well. Uh, I do advocate with uh, other organizations as well, but uh, AAKP is a, is a great organization for kidney patients. And uh, I love what they do. And uh, I, it's an honor to be a, a, a ambassador for them. And I really enjoy uh, being involved with them as an organization and, and what they stand for. So amazing organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same and, here. And uh, I've been able to meet great people like you, you know, and so that's the part that I love most. You get to lock arms with people who have been um, dealing or have dealt with similar circumstances and 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 really get loud together. You know, it makes a difference. I mean, I can do a whole bunch of things by myself. You can do a whole bunch of things by yourself, but together our impact is stronger and greater. And so that's what I like about joining forces with AAKP. Um, I'm also recently an ambassador with AKF. And so, you know, it, it, to me, it's, it's about us joining together to have a greater impact, to have a louder voice. And so that's what I love yeah. most about, about being a part of, of other organizations. Yeah. Well, you've heard it a million times, but, you know, united we stand, divided we fall. So we're stronger together. Uh, and as a united front, we can uh, make a lot of noise together. Uh, so, yeah, I, I also advocate with NKF and uh, AKF as well. And, um, Amer you know, American Kidney Fund, uh, they they did so much for me as a dialysis patient, uh, you know, it's helping me out financially with some assistance and things like that. So every time there's a walk available or anything like that, I interact with it and try to get involved because I, it's my way of giving back uh, to them for helping me out. So they do amazing things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your uh, your kidney disease story and how uh, it all happened and and what what disease that you actually uh, suffered with that caused your kidneys to ultimately fail? Sure. I uh, so the, the year was 2006. I noticed that I had had swelling in my legs, um, unusual swelling. So I went to the emergency room, and that's where I received the diagnosis that I my kidneys were failing. And so I didn't have a family history of kidney disease. I didn't know anyone on dialysis. I didn't have high blood pressure or diabetes or anything. I was relatively healthy. I had just given birth to a beautiful baby girl five months prior. And so as a result, and I will say in 2003, I had been diagnosed with lupus. Never 
really felt that that was my diagnosis, but that's what the doctor said. They said my ANA numbers were uh, reflective of lupus. And so we went with it. I took medication for about six months, stopped, and I never had a reoccurrence at all. So fast yeah. forward to 2006, after I had my daughter, um, the, the first response when my kidneys were failing is your body is turning on it on itself. You, you oh. with the lupus diagnosis, you just had a child and now you're you're having a flare and your immune system is attacking your kidneys. And so after being in the hospital for several days and, and finally getting a biopsy, I just remember the hospital being really crowded that year. And at, I was at Hopkins and they had to find me a bed and all of that. I don't know what was going on in 2006, but I just remember there being a shortage of beds in the hospital. And so my stay was longer than it typically would have been. And so they got the swelling down, they got it under control, and then they did the biopsy and realized that it was FSGS kidney disease. And so I think wow. it kind of threw everyone off because originally everyone was so sure that this was a lupus related event. And they get the biopsy back. And I remember the fellows and the doctors coming into the room. As you know, John Hopkins is a is a teaching hospital. So there were a lot of fellows and they were like, yeah. your, your case is a little different here. This is showing something completely different. This is showing FSGS. And if this had been related to lupus, there would be a different cell pattern in your kidneys. This is different. And so they diagnosed it as FSGS. And um, to be even more certain that it was FSGS, because at the time, the rheumatologists and the nephrologists were kind of going back and forth, like, no, it's not. And yes, you know, it's kind of this back and forth thing. They asked me to go and get another biopsy a year later, just to make wow. sure. Um, they did tell me that the protocol treatment would be similar, that, you know, whether it was lupus related or FSGS related, I would still be doing immunosuppressant um, therapies. And so... Sure. Um, but they wanted to be certain. They wanted to kind of get an idea of exactly what was going on. So they did another biopsy and that's when it was determined that um, it was FSGS and that's focal segmental glomerular sclerosis. And that's where a part of your, a seg where different segments of your kidney cells become scarred and it's yeah. hard and difficult for your kidneys to filter anything out because of the scarring. Yeah. So it, it messes up your filtration system. You said that so well, the FSGS. <laughs> it took you a while to learn that one or you just picked it up pretty quickly? I, I think I've said it so many times, Jonathan, <laughs> that it just comes naturally now. I yeah, was, you said I was, it really well. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. And I, you know, I'm one that when I got the diagnosis, of course, I'm immediately researching and trying to figure out what it was and and yeah. what causes it and trying to think yeah. back over my life. What, what could have caused this? And so the doctors, the doctors quickly said that, you know, there's really no known cause at this time. Again, this was in 2006. So they really didn't have as much information as what we have today, where there could be some ge genetics in there and different things like that. And so, you know, I, I had to learn a lot in a little bit of time. At the time, my, my daughter, you know, she was just a few months old and then she turned a year old. And so trying to navigate being a new mom, a new diagnosis, a wife and, you know, sister, cousin, aunt, all of that. She was wearing um, a lot of different hats. Oh, my goodness. It was something. Um, but it's a, yeah, it's a situation that I wouldn't change for the world because. I learned so much about myself. Uh, you really learn a lot about yourself when you're faced with adversity. When you're in the thick of adversity, you learn what you're made of and you learn um, what's really in your heart. And mm -hmm. so even though it was the most difficult situation of my life, I do not regret any of the things that happened because it made me the woman that I am today. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, I feel the same way for myself because uh, kidney disease dang near killed me. And so uh, I didn't think uh, that I would be the person that I am. If you'd have told me years ago, I'd have a podcast and be interviewing people and talking with them. You, I would have laughed in your face, like literally. Uh, but kidney disease changed me and it changed me for the better. And so I am grateful for the experience. It was a it was a tough experience. It was a traumatic experience for myself personally, but 
because uh, I crashed into dialysis and I had no education on kidney disease. And and so, uh, you know, those first couple of weeks were just uh, very eye uh, opening. And uh, I was like a deer in headlights. I mean, literally, it was just like being hit by a truck uh, <laughs> by kidney disease. And uh, but it, it, it I, I'm very grateful for the experience. And you mentioned uh, that you at first was being told you had lupus, which uh, in itself is is a hard diagnosis to, to kind of take once you hear all of the things that kind of go along with lupus and, uh, you know, how it affects a lot of different things other than kidneys. I mean, it affects a lot of things. And yes. then to hear that you actually, uh, you know, ha are suffering with FSGS as, as well or, or as a, it actually was FSGS in, as, as a whole. Yes. And I and I still think back to this day. I even think back to years before the diagnosis where I would go get a physical in college and they would say, you have traces of protein in your urine. Oh, and wow. <laughs> yes. And even with the lupus diagnosis, I thought that the nephrologist, the rheumatologist would think, let us take your kidneys. I mean, if you're spilling protein and yes, that is a side effect of lupus, but there should be some more you know, testing done to make sure uh -huh. that it is in fact a result of lupus. And so if, if you're spilling protein for anyone that's watching, if you're spilling protein, you definitely want to look at your kidney numbers and even possibly a biopsy because yeah. the, the I think with mine, the numbers on my labs were fine, but yeah. clearly if I'm spearing, spilling protein, then there was something else still going on. And I even think yeah. back to my labs that I had gotten a few weeks before that my rheumatologist did and my my creatinine was in the normal range. My yeah. my GFR was in the normal range. And so I just wished um, that maybe they had taken a deeper dive. Again, I wasn't sure. as educated as I needed to be and didn't even think that kidneys were a part of what whatever was going on at the time of the diagnosis. Um, right. But here we were years later, the diagnosis is in 2003. And then here we are in 2006, they automatically assume, oh, this is lupus, but I had been spilling protein. Yeah all of those years. And so um, it's so important that we're educated and that our family members know. So, you know, now if anybody in my family is ever um, is ever spilling protein, I'm like, you make sure they check your kidneys, even if that means getting a biopsy, because, yeah. you know, I mean, too many people are crashing into it. And, and it's just, you know, uh, I've listened to, I don't know how many other kidney warriors stories and uh, some of them that are uh, quite older where they experienced kidney disease in like the 80s in uh, the 90s. And all of these stories that I hear are uh, they, they say the same thing, that they had protein spillage, but the doctor sort of for some reason just overlooked it or ignored it as not a precursor to kidney disease. And it was amazing to me how many stories I heard uh, you know, in, in that time and era that uh, they were just overlooking protein spillage. And then years later, here they are on dialysis and they need a kidney all of a sudden. So, yeah, it's if you have protein spillage, definitely follow up uh, and go see a nephrologist, get the lab work done, do all of that, because you definitely could uh, be uh, having some kidney disease. And um, you could possibly be further along than what you even want to know. A lot of patients don't find out until they're what, like stage three already, yes. which yes. means that, you know, kidneys have already been, you know, damaged. So, yes. And I mean, I think it's so important. And that's why, you know, shows like this, where you are putting out information are so important because um, there are things that just aren't readily available as far as information is concerned on kidney disease. And so yeah. it's voices like ours that are helping to get the word out so that God forbid anybody, you know, would have to go through the, some of the things that we've gone through and maybe they can catch it and intervene ahead of time um, so that they can prolong or even prevent dialysis. Yeah, absolutely. Prevention is definitely key. Uh, education is definitely key. And uh, I, I'm a strong, strong, firm believer in it. I wish I would have had a whole lot more education on this stuff uh, instead of being handed a, a pamphlet and sent home. <laughs> I wish I wish I had something like a, a resource uh, such as a show or or uh, anything that would have been better than uh, just being handed a piece of paper and then sent home <laughs> with yes. a diagnosis. But, and hearing um, you say that, it's so important too, because I think about the people that show up into the dialysis facility. And so they, you know, you crashed into the hospital. They said, okay, you need to start dialysis. They put the fistula or, or permacath or whatever in. Yeah. And then you show up that next what day or so expected to be an active participant in your healthcare. 
Like yeah, that that exactly. just to me is just it just does it's you, like you don't And you've even got know what all this uh, terminology being uh just thrown at you, you know, and all these big words and it's just like ooh wow, this is a lot, you know, and I don't even know what you're talking about, you know, and uh they start using words like uh phosphorus and potassium and just things that you weren't even looking at, you know, fistulas, grafts, uh, you know, catheters, and then they start using, you know, abbreviations for them and in conversation. And you're like, what are you even talking about? So, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a, can be a, a an eye opening experience. That's why education is, is huge uh, is. when you're battling kidney disease. It is. And so, I think patients are more likely to, and I say patients, but I, I use warriors interchangeably because to me, patients sometimes just denotes a I don't know. Sure. Just gives us, you know, a, but, but I mean, everyone knows what we mean when we say that. Um, yeah. I, I just feel that we're, you almost show up at an unfair advantage for a fight. And sure. so it's important for us as people that have gone through it to be that voice. I think mm -hmm. sometimes those um, who are in the chair are more likely to listen to, to one of us before they would sometimes even the people in their facility or in their doctor's sure. offices because we sure, have we've, experiences. we've been there we've been yeah. there right so yeah and that makes a lot of sense yes uh, and that's the fuel, oh i'm sorry that's the no, fuel to my fire <laughs> absolutely I think, yes i think about absolutely. the people sitting in the chair who are feeling helpless who are feeling hopeless who have very little information to be a in their arsenal to be a a a um comparable dog in the fight if that makes sense uh -huh. <laughs> you know it's like you you almost come into a fight with with no armor and so i think that is the importance of us educating and arming ourselves and then empowering those that are dealing with it as well so that they have armor to fight they have tools to be a part of their own rescue and so that's, yeah, that's that's our job, you know, yeah. um, and that's that's why I started Kindness for Kidneys. It's like to give other people the tools that they need. So at least even though there's a fight going on, you sure. have some tools in your in your toolkit and some 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 something in, you know, some arsenal to go and fight on your behalf with. Absolutely. What uh what modality choice did you end up choosing? Was there uh was that choice made for you, or did you get that chance to even choose that option? So, <laughs> I am one of those uh, individuals who was in denial, um, <laughs> even after the diagnosis. So I I received the diagnosis in um, two thousand six, but and then in two thousand seven they further confirmed the FSGS, and then. Um, my kidneys were re remained pretty stable up until 2011. And my nephrologist said, hey, you know, these numbers are creeping up pretty quickly. I'm going to schedule you to come in and get PD. You're working full time. I think, you know, that, that as a as a as a mother and, and with your schedule and routine, you would do well with per, uh, peritoneal dialysis. Well, at that point, I was in denial. And, and, and my <laughs> my thoughts are I'm not doing dialysis. I'm sorry. And he kept, you know, kept warning, Miss Rouse, Miss Rouse, Miss Rouse, please, you know, come get the surgery for a peritoneal. It does take some time to heal. And so for the catheter to heal. And so we want to get you in so that you transition immediately to peritoneal. Well, mm -hmm. I, I again, I was in denial and I tell everyone, um, usually when you get a kidney disease diagnosis or even when you hear the word dialysis, a lot of times the person is in denial or you know going through a grieving process and i and in hindsight i know that i was going through the grieving process i was in denial and so i went to get other opinions and eventually my numbers got so high i had to be hospitalized for a blood transfusion because my hemoglobin levels plummeted um, and while there they said we really need to get you on dialysis right away so jonathan i had an opportunity to do peritoneal dialysis, which is more than I would say most warriors would say they had. You know, my doctor was proactive and he said, hey, you know, you, you should get on peritoneal dialysis. And I, because I was in denial, I ended up having to go the emergency route. So they put a permacath in when I was in the hospital getting, after getting the blood transfusion, they had to put a permacath in. I did 
in center hemo for about a year. And then I transitioned to doing peritoneal dialysis um, after that. So I, I was kind of hard in the head, which is why I'm so ad adamant about making sure that other people uh, don't don't go through what I've gone through and, and even helping them understand that, yes, you are in the grieving process and all of this. And it's OK. Yeah. Um, and it's OK to, to still come uh, move forward in this process and to eventually coming to a place of acceptance. Absolutely. And I hear so many patients now that are trying to hang on for so long before they have to admit and finally go ahead and, and get on dialysis. And I hear about their GFR, their EGFR being around, you know, uh, 8%, you know, 9, 5%. And I'm like, oh, and the doctors, they don't want you to end up in an emergency case, you know, where you're rushed to the hospital. And then they, and basically at that point, you're, you're getting a catheter. I mean, that's just how it's going to be. Unless you've already got a fistula that's matured and everything like that, you're, you're getting a catheter. I mean, that's just the only, you know, choice you're going to get at that point. And, uh, you know, I, myself personally, I would never want my, uh, even my worst enemy to go through that because it was just so traumatic. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and so it's, that's why it's so important to listen to your nephrologist, um, and uh, let them lead you on that as for as far as you know dialysis is concerned if they're telling you you need dialysis they're looking at the lab saying this patient needs dialysis and uh yeah you better uh take uh take heed to that and uh take that as your warning that you know that it's time it's time and and it's not always easy uh you know there is a uh uh, there's a there's a mental health aspect to this and an acceptance period where you have to really accept what's going on. Um, but again, you know, you, in order to survive, if your kidneys aren't functioning, eventually you're going to need dialysis unless you get a donor. And so let's uh, I guess let's talk about that. Um, you, you eventually get off of dialysis and uh, you, you received a donor. You want to talk about your, your donor story? Absolutely. So after many obstacles, my sister was cleared to be my uh, donor. And so um, she is my angel to the day. She's a wonderful person. And she basically stepped up without me even having to ask. When I started having kidney concerns and when I started dialysis, she said, hey, I'll go get tested. So we knew that she was a match early on in our process, but we had to fight through to get to uh the the operating table unfortunately and that's that's and i want to put a pin here and also note that sometimes you have to go back for multiple opinions um before sure. being cleared for surgery and so what one hospital may not clear another may well in our case um we were able to have it at the hospital that we started out in but my sister had to go through multiple tests and see um several several doctors, her hemoglobin levels tended, tended to be on um, the border. So it's uh, supposed to be started about 11. She was about 10.5. And so with that, um, they kept questioning her labs, kept questioning like, oh, we don't know. Something could happen to her in the, in, in the future. We don't uh -huh. know. We don't know. And so we kept saying, well, what else do we need to do? So she she was adamant about giving me her kidney, too. And so because at some point I was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'm on the list. I'm going to get a kidney. It doesn't have to be yours. And she's like, no, it has to be mine. I know it's supposed to be mine. And so she went and got a bone marrow biopsy at their request um, because they they wanted to know that her low levels were her borderline levels were, in fact, her normal. And so she did go get the bone marrow biopsy. The doctor said, no, we can't find anything. We've done every test imaginable that her, this is just her, her, her level here, her hemoglobin level. And so we went to get, so we had four pre-op appointments before, actually four dates for our surgery before we finally got to the fifth date and we got accepted and moved forward. Wow. So the first date that we had, I developed shingles two weeks before the surgery. Oh, wow. So we had gone through pre-op, they had cleared us, and then I developed shingles. Not sure where it came from. I don't know if it was stress or what it was, but mm. <laughs> we were like, what in the world? So they set a new date, and then that's when the hemoglobin became um, it came in question. And so it really made us kind of confused because if had I not gotten shingles, we would have gone forward with the surgery the first time. Um, so we were very um, 
frustrated by the process, but we understood, you know, it, they want to make sure that the donor is in optimal shape. So we understood their concern, but we felt like we were doing everything possible and we're still being told no. So she got the bone marrow biopsy. They went back to the board. They said they were still unsure. Um, so they said, well, we want you to come up here to our hospital and see our hematologist because my sister was going to the hematologist here in our area. And even though we're both in Maryland, it's still, we're still about 45 minutes from Johns Hopkins. And so okay. she came, we went up to have her see their hematologist. They wanted to do another bone marrow biopsy. I don't know, Jonathan, if you know how, how hard a bone marrow, I've never had it, but I hear it's mm -hmm. the most difficult bone, uh, the most difficult biopsy that you can have. And it's wow. because they're digging into your bone and taking a piece of your bone. And so she did mm. that twice <laughs> for me. Oh, wow. Yes, because in her mind, she said, I know this is this is what I'm supposed to do. And she didn't right. she would stop at nothing in order to get to that transplant table. And so she got the second bone marrow biopsy. There was a time lapse in there. And then eventually it went before the board again and they cleared us. And on our fifth date, our fifth date, <laughs> we were able to make it to the operating table on December 2nd, 2013. And yeah. we were a six antigen match. So we were a perfect match. Um, they said all six antigens lined up perfectly. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's my kidney donation story. Um, it really was a miracle <laughs> that we got to the table because there were times uh, that we felt throughout the process that maybe this isn't meant to be. We were faced with so many obstacles. And so if I could right. leave a word of encouragement for someone, if you're being told no, to keep going and, and, and know that, you know, you will come to a resolve. And so if you're hearing no, 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 you may have to go through some other hoops and jump through some other hoops and go through some other avenues, but don't stop. Cause I do know people yeah. that once they receive the first no for transplant, they stop and they're just yeah. like, they said, no, that's it. But sometimes you know, there may be other circumstances that may work out for you to actually get um, on the transplant list or be a donor, be a kidney donor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you mentioned this be at the uh, beginning of the show. Uh, you are a person of faith and, you know, I'm a person of faith as well. Uh, I totally believe in God, you know, Jesus, my savior. Uh, so I totally believe in uh, prayer, believe in the power of prayer. I believe in uh, divine intervention. I definitely believe that your sister, it was just meant to be that God has a plan. Overall, God has a plan, right? And he's going to have the final say uh, regardless. And so even though there were some obst obstacles, some stumbling blocks, uh, it, it happened. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it doesn't always happen the way that we, we you know, want it to happen or think it's going to happen. Yes. Uh, doesn't mean it's going to be an easy plan. Uh, or easy road to get there, but uh, God always uh, gets the glory, always gets his way uh, in the end. And uh, that's kind of like what happened with me. I mean, my donor, I, I never would have thought I would have been direct donated to from a, from a friend of a family uh, mm -hmm. in another state. You know, um, I just thought I would wait on the list and eventually my kidney would come, uh, you know, and I was, that's what I was hoping and praying for. Uh, if you'd have told me, nope, this is how your donor's coming, uh, you're going to end up, you know, with a with a friend of, a, you know, a family member's uh, kidney. Uh, I would have been like, mm, I don't believe you. But you know mm -hmm. what? God had a plan. And mm -hmm. I just so happened that kidney was a direct match for me. Uh, and it was free of disease. And uh, it was. <laughs> and so um, and I had potential donors uh, before him that uh, before he came along but uh for some reason whatever reason they were canceled and uh it just wasn't meant to be uh so it just sounds like to me that uh your sister it was just a, a divine appointment for her to uh be your be your donor what's your what's your thoughts on that absolutely um like i said i at some point uh because at the time too she had a young child my nephew um was let's see this was in 2012 so he would have been um, he was two years old. And so, you know, in my mind, you, you have, a, you're a mom to a toddler, you know, <laughs> just don't worry about it. Don't worry about me. And that was my, that was my stance. And so she, she knew in her heart of hearts, she was supposed to be my donor. And yeah. 
she would stop at nothing. She said, no, we started this process. We're going to finish this process. I know I'm supposed to be your donor. And we did have um, some calls in between there for potential kidneys for me, but they didn't pan out. There was two calls yeah. that came in for infants. And then they called back and said, we're sorry, we found out that this isn't going to work for you. And so yeah. faith definitely kept us going. Um, and we were able to encourage each other in the process um, because there were days that I was just like, don't worry about it. You know, like and days that I'm like, God, what's going on? You know, why are we continually exactly. denied? And and so staying in faith and, and just trusting the process um, was all we had, mm -hmm. you know. And so mm -hmm. um, it, it really I would say, though, that I'm glad that I had faith <laughs> because I don't Absolutely. know if I would have made it if I didn't operate from oh. a higher power. You know, Amen if I, if I didn't that. know that God was with me, I probably would have given up on the whole thing a long time before yeah. um, we even got to the table. And so um, knowing that I could lean on someone that was greater than I was, that could take on my weakness was mm. everything and priceless. Yes. Um, and I, I can't imagine trying to go through that alone without no. extra strength from above. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I was... I was blessed. I'm from a background of uh, strong praying women. So uh, my mother was a prayer warrior. She was on her knees for me. And uh, without that type of support and uh, guidance, man, I wouldn't be sitting here right now uh, doing this podcast with you. Uh, there's not a doubt in my mind. I mean, I would I, I guarantee I, I would have passed. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, God, God had a greater plan. And that's why I'm here. I'm I'm using my platform now to uh, help share stories like what we're sharing tonight. Uh, this is a very powerful story. And uh, I hope this story gets out there to really encourage some of the other kidney warriors that's waiting on uh, dialysis and waiting for a transplant and things don't seem like they're working out and you don't understand. Listen to our, listen to her story. Listen to our story. It's, it's not always an easy road, but you know, you see how things eventually work themselves out and uh, God has a plan. He has a plan for you as well. So just hang on and, and trust the process. Like Sharon was saying, that's that's really a, a great word of advice. Just trust the process, even though the, it seems tough. You just continue to trust the process. So. Yes. so let's talk a little bit about kindness for kidneys. What are you doing with kindness for kidneys? So we launched in December on December 2nd of 2018, and that was our five year kidney anniversary. And so. I, I remember sitting in the dialysis chair and just wondering what I could do to give back. Like you see so much, and I'm sure you can attest to this. You see mm -hmm. so much when you're sitting in the chair and I, I would just sit there like, I've got to help. I've got to help people as a result of me sitting here and just seeing what I see and um, you know, pa patients being labeled uncompliant. And it, it, there was just a lot. <laughs> it was a lot, but sure. I knew that. I was sitting there for them, that it wasn't just about me. It wasn't just about my journey and what I was going through, but it was about the people that would be impacted as a result of me sitting in the chair. And so many times I would think about things that I wish I had or, or that I wish, you know, I could do to help others once I got well. And so that's where Kindness for Kidneys was born in December, on December 2nd of 2018, we had a launch party. Um, we rate, we put information out there. We invited kidney organizations to be a part and share what they offer. And so that's how we started. I, Jonathan, I honestly didn't know that it would, would pick up speed as fast as it did. Um, but right. I did know that there was a need for it in, in, in the community. And so I think yeah. that's why, because it just, I just felt like we are not having conversations about this enough. And my first right. day walking into the facility, I was just shocked. I'm like, if this is what's going on, on pretty much within miles of each other, especially mm -hmm. in urban areas, why aren't we having conversations about it? Why aren't we talking about this? If, if, if African-Americans are, you know, most or more likely to end up on dialysis, why aren't we having conversations? Why, mm -hmm. you know, and then you hear when you get on dialysis, oh yeah, I have an aunt that's on dialysis. Oh yeah. And I'm like, why did I not know this? And so that was a right. huge part of why we started. We wanted to educate, encourage and empower people that were dealing with kidney disease. Those are the areas that I felt um, needed the most um, support 
many families were going through it. They were they were clueless as to how to participate and help their loved one. And so giving uh -huh. them their that encouragement, giving the, the kidney warrior the encouragement and the empowerment to to advocate for themselves was our biggest drive. And so as a result, we started uh, I wanted to do something special by going back to the facility. I feel like uh -huh. I, I really while I was on hemodialysis I, I really had good care. I think partly too, one, I was young and two, I was, I was, you know, the one in there asking questions and, and talking to the technicians and the nurses and the doctors. And so I didn't go in there and just put the cover over my face. Like, I wish I was not here and I just want to leave, do what you got to do so I can leave. I had <laughs> vowed before I went in there not to do that because I wanted to be sure that I was an active participant in my care. Not just for me, just the fact that I knew that as a result of my journey, I was going to help someone else. And so when sitting there, I wanted to take the most out of the, the situation. I honestly felt that I was there for someone in that facility. And, you know, sometimes God will put us in places because there's some people that may never step foot in the church. And so I, I felt that I felt that I was there for someone. And I wanted to be sure mm -hmm. that I was an active participant in that process. Of course, yeah. this was when I had come on the other side of my grief and come to a place of acceptance. But once I accepted it and I realized that there was some purpose in what I was, why I was sitting in a dialysis chair, yeah. it really changed my perspective on walking in that, that facility. Because my mind was, was made up that I'm going to impact someone here. <laughs> you know, I, I don't Abs like what's absolutely. going on. I don't like the fact that I'm being poked and prodded and just all of those things that come with sitting in the chair. But I knew yeah. that I had a purpose for sitting there and I wanted to make sure I was an active participant and, and not a hindrance in what God could do to use me. And absolutely. So, so, yes, that's how Kindness for Kidneys was born. Our first initiative was going back and, and providing care packages at my former facility and singing Christmas carols. And the reason that I did that, it was important for me to do it during the holiday, because I feel like when I was sitting in the dialysis chairs, that's when when holidays would roll around. I think that's when I would become the most reflective. I would um, I would I would just you know, I, I go into a space that, you know, I didn't want to be in sometimes as far as my thought process. And then I wasn't sure if I was going to feel well enough to be a part of the gatherings that my family was having, you know, so I just, I, I, I wanted to go back to let them know you're, we're thinking about you. We're praying for you. You can get through this. Um, look, basically look at me. If I can come out, so can you. And so we did that. And from there, it's expanded every year. Every year, we expand facilities. Um, we, during COVID, what we decided to do instead of going to the facilities, because of course we couldn't go and sing Christmas Christmas carols and hand out packages, is that we sent meals to the facility with encouraging words and um, set up oh, a display awesome. in the lobby to. Um, oh, that's awesome you know, point them into the direction of resources. We also started support groups. So we had our first support group meeting on March 8th, 2020. And then as you mm -hmm. know, COVID hit the very next week. And so mm. we, yep. had, we had sent out surveys to local facilities. We got an idea of where they wanted to have the support group. We had our first meeting March 8th and lo and behold, COVID shows up the next week. Um, so that kind of yep. put a, a wrench in our plans to impact the Southern Maryland area. But we, it, it really ended up being a blessing in disguise because then we moved our meetings to Zoom and now we have people tune in from Arizona and Florida. And so we're able yep. to communicate with each other um, once a month via this platform. And so yeah, the, um, Zoom, Zoom has been a great uh, resource for, for uh, COVID uh, during the COVID time where a lot of people uh, haven't been able to connect. They were able to utilize Zoom. I think Zoom must have uh, grown a lot with their stock and uh, stuff like that <laughs> with all the people that were that were utilizing platforms such as Zoom uh, because it seemed like everything was over Zoom. And it was a great way for people to connect uh, that didn't live, you know, in the same state, and you know, same city. Mm -hmm. So it was a great resource to use during Zoom. And uh, do you kind of feel like that kindness for kidneys is a underlining uh, ministry uh, for the gospel? I kind of feel like uh, Hope with Jonathan is kind of like a covert um, ministry. And some people probably think, oh, how's it a ministry? Well, it, I feel like this is what God called me to do. And this is my purpose. This is my plan. And uh, it's, it is an underlining ministry because we're sharing stories of, of hope and we're trying to give people hope. Do you feel like 
you're doing the same thing with the kindness for kidneys. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like that this, our organizations are your, your hope with Jonathan is the catalyst to have people experience God's love, to give people hope. And that's what God is about, <laughs> you know? And so um, I absolutely feel the exact same way. I know that I, and I, and I always tell myself like, this is so much bigger than you. And I think that's why we have the impact because it really isn't about Sharon. It really isn't about kindness for kidneys. It's about bringing hope and healing to people who are impacted by kidney disease and their families. And so I never want to be in the way of what God is doing. You know, and so whenever I show up anywhere, it's always I'm not here on my own accord. <laughs> you know, I'm here to spread love and to also um, bring hope and healing to people that are dealing with this. And so yeah. it wasn't strange that I ended up in that dialysis chair. God, it didn't take him by surprise. Um, but because I decided to be an active participant and surrender to the process, he was able to use me um, to be a catalyst mm -hmm. for bringing, bringing hope, healing, and love to other people. So I'm right there with you in that. Um, I count it an Absolutely. honor and a joy to be a, able to just be his hands and feet. Absolutely. And uh, it is an honor. It's an honor to uh, still be here, uh, be alive. <laughs> and uh, even though uh, I went through a traumatic event, you know, I, I want to utilize my story for for the greater good and uh, spread hope. And I think that's what we've done here today. Uh, and um, I think it's an awesome thing what you're doing with kindness for kidneys and uh, any, anybody before uh, we close out, anybody you want to send a special shout out to? Oh, sure. My family, of course, my husband, my daughter, um, my family, I, I, I don't know how we would have made it without our village. And wow. it's just, I, I, I think back to the process and we were all just in survival mode, like what needs to be done? Okay. I mean, you need to take Isla to school. Yeah. You know, we all just pitched in. So I definitely want to give a shout out to my family first, to the listeners here. Thank you all for tuning in. Mm -hmm. For those that may watch the replay, we see you, we're praying for you. Um, and we pray that you will see this as a chapter in your story and not the whole mm -hmm. book. Um, you're just in a chapter. It may be difficult. It may be a difficult chapter. If you think about stories and books and your climaxes and all of those things, you know, um, it, it this is a chapter in your story. And so you do play a part in how your story ends, whether you think that or not. And so I do want to send a shout out to those that are listening. Thank you so much for joining. A shout out to you, especially Jonathan, for the amazing work that you're doing and just keep up the good work. Keep doing God's work and he will do the rest. He will supersede your natural um, your natural hands. And so I appreciate you. And then to our kidney warriors out there, like we do this for you. <laughs> we, right. we stand here in proxy for you, um, knowing that we deserve better in the kidney community and we will get better. And so just want to thank you. And um I am honored and privileged to be sitting here and hope with Jonathan. And that's exactly what you're doing. You're, you're spreading hope and healing to those that are impacted by this horrible disease. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And uh, I'm humbled by your words and uh, I appreciate it. Um, what an amazing story you have and uh, what an incredible advocate you are for uh, kidney uh, disease and uh, what an awesome resource uh, kindness for kidneys in, um, it, you know, is for kidney patients. And uh, we ask that uh, everyone please go check out uh, their website. It is uh, kidney uh, kindness for kidneys org is the website. And uh, please go check that out. And uh, if you're wondering at all what their logo looks like, this is their logo. Uh, you can't miss it. It's a beautiful logo, as you guys can see. And it's uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is two kidneys there in the shape of a heart. Yes. Yes. OK. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love it. Thank and so, you. Uh, again, Sharon, I really appreciate you coming on. I hope you guys are uh, finding this video to be informative and I hope you guys are enjoying what we're doing right here with the uh, Hope with Jonathan. And uh, I hope you guys will definitely uh, go check out. Uh, kindness for kidneys and uh, see what they're all about, what they're doing, uh, doing great things in the community. Again, guys, y'all take care and uh, stay safe out there. Remember to spread love and God bless you. Take care of your kidneys. Have a good night.
Hey guys, have you checked out Kidney Conversations, a new series brought to you by host Hope with Jonathan and KWM's Kidney Warrior merch, Kyle Hawkers from Toronto, Canada. Yes, it's a brand new series brought to you by us for you as the kidney patient. We're trying to inform, educate, and inspire by sharing and spreading awareness for kidney disease, dialysis, kidney failure, transplant, organ donation, and so much more. This is a brand new series, guys, brought to you by Hope with Jonathan and Kidney Warrior Merch. What we're going to do is post weekly on our pages across social media. Right now, it's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then on Friday, we'll be releasing an informative video over on Hope with Jonathan. Check it out, guys. Kidneyconversations.info. Hey guys, have you been over to HopeWithJonathan.com? You can actually listen to the audio podcast, watch live streaming interviews, purchase merch to help support Hope With Jonathan podcast, read blogs, and much, much more. For more information on this, go check out HopeWithJonathan.com where we share stories of hope.